title of my message this morning is Buried with Christ in Baptism from Romans chapter 6. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn there. I try to preach this message or a message similar to this one at least twice a year because I believe in the doctrine of baptism. I believe in grace that sets people free. I don't believe this is a ritual. I believe it's revelation. And I believe every Christian that has the ability to do this should do this. I believe it with all of my heart. Romans chapter 6, beginning with verse 1, St. Paul would tell us, What shall we say then after he gives us a great chapter on grace? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And what this has to deal with is the mindset. There is a major debate in Christianity about eternal security and salvation and can you lose it the only person that has the qualifications to answer that question is Jesus you do not understand or know what's in a person's heart nor do I what the Bible says is that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us that we can't lose it like a ring slipping off of our finger. Now, can we apostatize, walk away? Sure we can. But we are not qualified to decide who has walked away and who hasn't. That's the job of the Father and His Son, not ours. So it's a meaningless debate. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Should we take advantage of the goodness of God? Should we take advantage of the grace of God? Absolutely not. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? In other words, when you stir those waters in baptism, you are identifying with the death of Jesus Christ. You are identifying with the sins of your past, with the, with the sins that crucified our Savior. When you stir the waters, again, it's not a ritual, it's revelation. You're identifying with the suffering of Jesus Christ that put his body to death. Therefore, we are buried with him. You hear me quote this, going on 15 years now. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. That is not something I made up. It's from God's word. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, doxa is the word glory. It has to do with the light that comes from the kingdom of heaven, shines on God's children, shines off of God's children into dark places and in to the uttermost parts of the world, doxa. Raised from the dead by the doxa, the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. What is the newness of life? Well, it's not yesterday. It's not religion. It's not the opinions of man. The newness of life is the Christ's life. It's the kingdom life. You're under the kingdom of heaven and you are walking in the authority of the spirit of God advancing the kingdom day by day 
with the authority of the word being led by the power of the Holy Spirit. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, see, God is always talking about seeds if we're listening close enough. For we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. So we identify first with his death, second with his burial, and finally the newness of life with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Hit your neighbor and say, I'm not what I used to be. Hit him again and say, but I'm not as good as I'm going to be. That our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. You remember that classic rock song, you're going to have to serve somebody. Who is it this morning that you are serving? You can serve the kingdom or you can serve sin. Doesn't mean you won't sin. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God, every single one of us. We all struggle. We all have issues. But what do you serve and whom do you serve? Who do you serve? For he that is dead is freed from sin. See, dead people don't sin. Dead people don't sin. So if you are identifying with the death of Jesus Christ, that means you're dead to your flesh. And the spirit is the only thing that should remain. We believe that we should also live with him. Knowing that Christ, verse 9, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. In other words, we don't have to fear death. We don't have to worry for the afterlife. We have a promise. We have a prince of peace. We have a savior, a king. His name is Jesus. The firstborn brought from the dead who has given us the freedom to live for him and to reign with him throughout eternity. Powerful, powerful. So this life that we live, these battles that we face, this flesh that we fight, those things aren't our identity. We identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We follow after him with a promise of eternity. Powerful. Death doesn't have dominion over us. For in that he that died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Buried with him in baptism. Hebrews chapter 6 says that every believer should leave the elementary teachings about Christ and eventually press on to maturity about deep spiritual and biblical things, including the doctrine of baptism. So number one this morning, baptism is a ritual to embrace, not a ritual to endure. It's not something you have to do legalistically. It's something you want to do because Jesus, the king, lives inside of you. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter said unto them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ because of the forgiveness of your sins. 
As a ritual that we embrace, we learn that baptism is a symbol and is part of our obedience to God. The first step towards Christianity and God's kingdom is obedience. If the Spirit quickens your spirit to be saved, you ought to obey and make a public confession. If you've made that confession and Jesus truly is the Lord of your life, you ought to take that a step further and be baptized in water like Jesus was. When we baptize to fulfill the concept of the symbol, we baptize you, identifying you with Christ in, again, his death. Romans 6, 4, his burial. Romans 6, 5, his resurrection. For if we became united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. John chapter 16, verse 8 says this, When he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convince and convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Of sin, because we don't believe in him. Of righteousness, because he said, I go to my Father, and because he goes to the Father, we are in right standing with him, those of us that know him. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged the devil and the devil's power has been taken away. The enemy only has power if we give him power by the things we say, the things we think, the things we embrace and the things we accept. The devil is a liar. He's a murderer, he's a thief. He has no legal standing in this place and I happen to like the fact that the devil and the people that work for him hate this place. That lets me know I'm pastoring a church that God knows about and that the devil hates. Praise God. Number two, baptism should be a revelation we experience, not a requirement to be explained. It is not worth debating with other Christians as to the importance of this doctrine. Open the Bible, let them read it for themselves. This is not a requirement to be explained. It's a revelation that God wants us all to experience. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 1, For I do not want you to be unaware or ignorant, in the Ron Phillips King James Version, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and passed through the sea, the Israelites, and check this out, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. In other words, the picture of those drowned Egyptians and God's people coming through the Red Sea was a picture of what the new covenant would offer us as believers. That if we are obedient, God would bring us through, our enemies would be defeated, and that we would live free and fully alive. As a revelation that we experience, we learn that baptism is not only a symbol, but it is also a key. Everybody say key. When we go to Israel in just under two months, we'll go to a place called Caesarea Philippi, and I will preach at that place because it's my favorite. Bobby Atkins will have to preach at another one. But we'll talk about the keys to the kingdom and the God of Pan, and we'll look at all of those things. But you need to understand that baptism is most definitely a key that unlocks your freedom and launches you into your destiny. If you embrace the true meaning of it when you do it, the Spirit will meet you there and will carry you. Again, 
Romans 6, 4, we've been buried with him through baptism unto death and again raised to walk in the newness of life. Then we've been united with him in the likeness of his death just as we will be in his resurrection. This is a revelation that releases faith in you. The only way to survive the Christian experience is faith, is faith and the Holy Spirit. You have to learn to believe it even when you don't feel it. Believe it even when you don't see it. Show up to serve the Lord even if you don't want to. That's what faith will do. It causes you to keep going. It causes you to keep believing. It causes you, as my friend Joe Smith, the boxing coach would say, to keep punching. It causes you to keep after what God's called you to do. Whatever it is, in business, for your family, your grandparents, it doesn't matter. Whatever God has called you to do, raising kids, raising grandkids, serving the kingdom, starting a business, serving patients, it doesn't matter. The faith of the Spirit will keep you faithful in what God has gifted you to do. Water baptism should indeed be as it was for Jesus in Mark chapter 1. He was baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist. The Bible says immediately coming up out of the water. Now to come up out of the water, y'all help me here. That means you had to be immersed in the water, right? To come up out of it. Just making sure y'all are paying attention. And he saw the heavens open and the spirit descended upon him like a dove and the father affirmed the son by saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. See, the Christian experience first comes to us by way of acceptance. Many of us are born with a hole in our heart. We need our Abba Father, and so when we realize he sent his son Jesus to die for us, we gain acceptance. Maybe we never received that acceptance from the world or from home, but when we long for acceptance, that comes by way of the Father through Jesus. But then, it doesn't end there. Eventually, it leads to affirmation. Maybe you were raised in a home and nobody ever said, I'm proud of you, or good job. Once you receive the gift of acceptance, that leads to affirmation. And then Daddy God, when you serve him or when you're faithful to do the things he's called you to do, then Daddy God says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. But it doesn't just end there. Once you defeat that orphan spirit and gain your acceptance and you've received affirmation from a loving father, then you get access then you get Psalm 91, Matthew 6, access into the heavenlies. You start to hear from God, see the things of God, start to do things you never thought you could do because you got rid of the orphan spirit, you've been accepted into the beloved, you've been affirmed by daddy, now you've got the confidence and oh my goodness, you have access to what the father has and what the father knows, amen? There are things no one will ever know but my three boys. That's my blood. Those are my sons. Could you imagine our Heavenly Father? There are things we will never be able to receive from Him if we don't go through Jesus and if we don't receive the acceptance and affirmation and gain access into what He knows and what He has. Isn't it cool, though? God doesn't close us off. He allows us to know what He knows, to receive from His throne room. Who should be water baptized? John 3, 6 answers that question. 
that who is born of the flesh. Anyone who has made Jesus the Lord of their lives, they should be baptized. Also, he who has believed, if you've believed on Jesus Christ and you've been baptized, you will walk in the victory, Mark 16. But he who has disbelieved shall be condemned, Mark 16, 16. Remember the story in Acts chapter eight, I won't preach the whole thing, but you know Philip baptized a eunuch and it went through this strange changing of events. But here's what the Bible says in verse 35, that Philip opened his mouth and beginning from the scriptures, he preached Jesus to this eunuch and they went along the road where they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? In some translations, it says, what hinders me from being baptized? Let me ask you the same question this morning. What prevents you from being baptized? You say, well, I don't have a change of clothes. We do. I'm private. We got private changing rooms. I don't like cold water. We got a heater. It's warm. The pastor's not even going to preach as long as he normally does. You still can make lunch. There are no excuses today if God is calling you to be baptized. But it goes on to say, after he says, look, there's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may be baptized. And this eunuch said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Listen, if you are ever at the hospital bed of a family member that is about to die, please don't try to get them to memorize the Bible or pray your long sinner's prayer if they are weak and sick. You just need to find out what they believe and have them confess it if they are able or squeeze your hand if they are in agreement with it. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It's that simple. And he ordered the chariot to stop and they both went down in. He's so Baptist. <laughs> went down in to the water and were baptized. How should we be water baptized? I think I've already touched on that. We're not trying to baptize people by immersion because we have a label on our church. We're trying to baptize people by immersion because that's what the scriptures teach. In the Greek, Hebrew, in the original language. Immediately, Mark chapter 1 verse 10, let me give you a few more verses. Immediately coming up out of the water, Jesus saw the heavens opening. Acts 8, 39, they both went down into the water. Jesus came up out of the water, so he had to go down into the water. Same as the eunuch and Philip. Now, pouring has its place when people are struggling in their health. Sprinkling has significant meaning as well. There's nothing wrong with those things. We're not attacking other denominations who choose to do it that way. But biblically, we believe immersion is the way the Bible teaches us to do it if we are able to do it that way. The early church did, as we've done before, immerse forward. The Anabaptists, the early church fathers, this wasn't what they did all the time, but during moves of God, 
for Christians who had rededicated their lives or something new had happened for a Christian, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit came to the overflow. They were baptized. They would be baptized forward as a symbol that their lives were not going to be stuck in reverse or neutral, that God was doing a new thing, Isaiah 43. And so we've seen a number of different ways. Why should we be water baptized? Well, the Bible says we should. And because we love Jesus and we want to obey his command and follow his word, we should be baptized because of our obedience to God. We should be baptized because we want to identify with Jesus Christ, our Savior. We should be baptized because baptism is an invitation to our past. You say, what do you mean? When you decide to be baptized, you're inviting your past to die in those waters with your flesh. So everything from your past, good and bad, that has defined you, derailed you, destroyed you, when you're baptized, it is a symbol that your past is not who you are and it's not your identity that Jesus is. It's not only an invitation to your past, it's an affirmation to your soul. As I said, the Father affirms our obedience. I'm a natural father, and I'm much more affirming when my kids obey me. How about you out there, dads? It's a lot easier to affirm if they are obeying you. And our heavenly father, when we do kingdom things and we follow his orders and we do things to identify with Jesus, our heavenly father affirms what God has called us to do. It's also an anticipation of our future it means I've been saved I'm obeying Christ and I'm believing that God's got something good for me down the road God's got something he wants to do in me and through me in the future isn't that the fundamental principle of Christianity that it's always going to get better that God's into new names new things new promises that we're not to be stuck in today or stuck in yesterday, that God wants to do a new thing for us? When should we be baptized? Right now. Right now. Not a moment too soon, not tomorrow, right now. If the Spirit is telling you to do it, let today be your day. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Would my pastors make their way to the front this morning? Pastor Angie is going to lead us along with Rashonda and Marcellus, the Craigs, our worship teams. And we have some that are awaiting baptism now. I'm fixing to go change and join them along with Pastor Carlos and Brother Biggs. But if you need to be saved and baptized today... I would make your way down here in just a moment and tell these pastors, I've been saved, but I want to get this right in my life. First, if you're lost and you say, Pastor Ronnie, if I die today, I don't know whether I'd go to heaven or hell. I'm unsure of my salvation. I'm not at peace with God. The Bible's very simple. Confess, believe, and receive. Confess, believe, and receive. So if you need Jesus in your life, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but it's not the prayer. It's the belief, the confession, and the obedience that saves you. But this prayer comes from the same book of Romans, and it will help you connect with Jesus. If you need Jesus, pray this prayer with me. Abbas House, help me. Dear Lord Jesus, Lord, forgive me of my sins. 
please come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me for your glory. If you prayed that prayer, either watching online or in the house, you were saved, your sins are forgiven you. Give God some praise for that, Albus House. We are forgiven. Now I'm going to have you stand on your feet as we worship. If you need to be baptized, you make your way to one of these pastors quick. And Pastor Angie will make sure you get to the baptistry with me and we will baptize you. It's 1130. You're still going to be able to beat the Methodist to lunch. But I wouldn't slip out of here without worshiping Jesus and without celebrating this victory that God has pulled off for these people. Amen. So let's give God a shout of praise. If you need to be saved, baptized, prayed for, you come. And you come to the altar to the feet of Jesus today.